gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run Hey, this is Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures TV. We have had a great run showing our love for dogs with our show, our podcast, our social media, and all that is based on Soggy Acres Retrievers. We proudly bring this podcast to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers and ask you if you are looking for training, boarding, or a yellow, black, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppies, please check out SoggyAcres.com. Remember, everyone deserves a soggy dog. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Fuller, and today we have an exciting show on board for you. Today I wanted to talk about buying a Labrador Retriever puppy right now as we're coming out of the COVID times. We also, in our training tip, are going to talk about teaching a puppy to heal while you walk and the importance of it. And then lastly, during our hunting section, we are going to talk about hunting mornings or afternoons or both in your spot. So we're going to have a fun show. I wanted to get this out there now. We've actually had better listenership when I get stuff out before Fridays. Usually I'm getting stuff out on Fridays because I'm doing the, oh crap, I forgot to do a podcast. So making an effort to uh, get to everyone, give you something to do during during the midweek and get ready for the hunting season. But first, let's talk about getting a puppy. Now, what most people that have looked probably understand, that is that during (coughs) COVID times, it has been extremely hard to find dogs and puppies. I think that is coming to an end now. I think that you're going to see in the next 6 to 12 months that that will very much ease. But it was insane how busy things got when everything shut down in the world. I still remember talking to my wife when they, in essence, locked down the economy. I said, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, should I breed dogs? Should I skip a breeding? And then the call started. (coughs) Excuse my cough. The call started and it was amazing. I thought, well, I'll fill one litter. And then that litter was filled. Well, I've got another litter I could breed. I'll fill that one. And that one was filled. Pretty soon it was to the point where in November of last year, we had the entire year following filled. All the puppies sold. And that is now where we're playing catch up. We're finally at our position at Side Acres Retrievers where we do have a few litters that'll be ready in four months that have room that are just getting bred or being bred or were bred in the uh, near past here. And we have other litters that were planned out uh, for, for chocolates that, yes, we're still sold into next year, but we had a couple of girls come into season so that 
I'm not having to tell people we're so out to summer of next year for chocolate lab puppies. We're now to late winter to spring. So it's it's really tough. You try to be as honest as you can as a dog breeder because you know what? An exciting thing for a family is buying a puppy. So you never want to sell them on a timeline and tell them, yes, I absolutely will have a female in season that we're going to have room in the litter within two months. You want to be honest. So I always gave a should have a puppy by a date as opposed to prognosticating on exact timelines. And I always erred on the side of probably being a couple of months later than what actual reality always ended up being. That still didn't stop people from putting deposits down. And I'm still seeing more demand now than there has been in the past when you look at you know the totality of the last 10 years of being in the business. But it's definitely slowing down a little bit. With that said, people, if you want a puppy, realize you might have to wait a little while. I don't know how many times I get calls from people where they want one now. You know what? You very well may find one now. So so look, but don't settle. Don't buy from someone just because they have a puppy now and they have no health clearances. The parents do not have ability in their pedigree shown by their titles and you can't get the dog registered. Find someone that is selling a good quality puppy. You're more than likely going to have to wait anywhere up to about six months. Again, with COVID, we're looking at waiting over a year, but we're now to the point where it's probably going to be a six month wait or less, but find someone that you want to do business with first. When we're looking at getting hunting dogs, the wives tale that both parents hunt is the only thing you need is complete BS. You want to find someone that has that potential in the pedigree so that you can look. Those titles in a pedigree will show you the dog's trainability, the dog's overall natural instincts, and realize that when people have dogs that have those titles, they're investing a lot on the front end on health to make sure those dogs are sound before you put the money in on them. That is what I see on social media that is discounted so often where people are, it's not about the dog, it's about the training. The answer is it's both, but you can't take a dog and train it if it doesn't have desire. The old phrase, you can't polish a turd. It's, it's pretty much the same thing in the dogs. If you have a dog that has zero pedigree behind it, can it hunt? It may. Is it a guarantee? Nothing is a guarantee, but if you get a dog that really is a rocket and has a ton of ability while also being bred for a good temperament so that you're getting something that is a wonderful house dog, that is what you need to look for when you're buying a pet. If you are just getting a dog, you aren't even going to hunt and you just want an athletic dog that you can hang out with, I still tell people go with a hunting pedigree, go with a hunt test pedigree, go with a competition pedigree because you are getting a dog that is bred for its intelligence its health, and its natural ability. That is what we buy a certain breed for, and you're going to get that from someone that is breeding for that. Now, when you're looking for a dog, also make sure you are getting a wonderful temperament. Temperament is key. I will have people that breed dogs that are basically rockets, and they just have all drive, but they bounce off the walls. We get those dogs in for training and the people constantly have issues with them where they just struggle. 
it is a struggle because of the fact that the dogs don't have an off switch. A well-bred dog will have the go in the field, but an off switch as well. Doesn't mean you don't have to put, put structure into their lives and have discipline for them so that you get that out of them, but put the time in so that you are getting a dog that you want, a dog that is worth the purchase price, and a dog that you are going to have with you at your side for the next, hopefully, 10 to 15 years. So when you're doing your searches, just make sure that you look for the quality of what you're, what you deserve. Um, I read on the internet, so it must be true that the cheapest part of the equation of a dog where you're going to spend probably up to $25,000 on the dog in the, in the, on the dog in its life is the purchase price. So if you think of it that way, you're going to mitigate and minimize your health issues by buying a well-bred dog from a reputable breeder, as opposed to just buying a dog at a cheap price. You will get yourself you you will make up that money in the long run by having something that is properly bred as opposed to something that is convenient and cheap. Both the it's pretty much the simplest way I can put it to you. Uh, I know there'll be people that disagree with that, but so be it. You don't buy a car that is a lesser vehicle when you want a, a hunting vehicle. You buy the best thing you have. And when you look at it also, guys, if you're out there hunting and gals, how much did you spend in your shotgun? Your dog is going to be far more important than that gun because the dog is going to help you find your downed game. You can have yourself a cheaper shotgun. It'll still kill birds. But you want to have that dog that's going to want to charge out there. It's going to find the bird for you. It's going to have perseverance. It's going to work its tail off. And then at night, you're going to have your best friend with you. So again, finding a puppy, timelines are getting less now as far as as far as far weights. So that's good. Um, if you ever want a checklist, you can go on our website, soggyacres.com. We actually have a checklist set up so that you should be able to check off those boxes when you talk to a breeder. And if you don't check them all off, I wouldn't buy from them. Next up, we are going to talk about how to teach a puppy to heal and the importance of it for your dog. That and more coming up after this. Our great fans of the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are growing at an astronomical rate and I want to thank you all. I do ask one thing from you. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Please give us a thumbs up follow us, subscribe to us on whatever other platforms you're on. And the most important thing I can ask, share our podcast with your friends so that we can grow our love for the dogs and dogs in the field and make it so that people are more involved in our sport. Again, thank you so much for being listeners. Take care. Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures and Soggy Acres Retrievers. In our house, my wife hates having the plastic kennels and wire crates. We need them for the dogs because we have times when they need to be put somewhere. But she cannot stand the look. So we talked to DCT Kennels and we now have a new partnership with them for a product that is a crate but also a piece of furniture. If you want something that is practical as well as great looking, check out DCT Kennels. You have a puppy. The puppy looks like a kite on a string. How do we teach that puppy to heal? So for the training tip, 
and welcome back to the show. Figured we talk about teaching a puppy to heal and the expectations you should have. I don't put a lot of pressure on dogs until they're at least six months old. With that said, I do use a pinch collar on a puppy, but I don't reinforce it by snapping the collar or making it really pinch. I let it use, I guess, the dog's pressure to create the discomfort. And then I use treats when I'm teaching heel. So it's walking with the dog. You've got them on a short leash where they basically can only be at heel. And what I'll do is I'll reach down and I give them a piece of kibble and tell them heel. Good, heel. Then I give them a little bit more leash. And we'll walk them back to the point where they're at heel. And then I tell them heel and give them, again, a piece of kibble. And I continue this until the puppy is walking next to me because they know they're going to get a treat. Puppies are very food motivated. I use it to my advantage, but you do wean it off once they learn the command. Now, as they learn the command, I will start to, again, do the weaning process where I give it to them every second time, every third time, and start to replace that treat with praise as your positive reinforcement. So you're going to walk with them a lot. You're going to keep them at heel. You're going to congratulate them for doing great. And then if they get out too far as you get further in this process, you're going to tell them no heel, pull them back to the heel area. And once you are, I'd say two weeks into this, you can cut out the treats completely and just go to praise and use your negative reinforcement with your voice, telling them no firmly heel and then pulling them slightly back so that they're to that place. Again, we're not going to pop the pinch collar to create it a pinch, but we're going to use pressure on the collar so that it does create that reminder for the puppy like, you know what, I shouldn't do this. If the puppy forges ahead and they put the pressure on themselves, that's fine. But again, we're not going to pop it and tell the dog heal. We're just going to let the natural constriction be the negative as well as our voice. So I hope that helps you. It is really important to have a dog that walks at heel. One, we want to be able to go into a store or a vet or a kennel without getting drug around. Two, when you're out hunting later, it's important to have that heel command so the dog is staying at heel and not forging ahead. And three, it just makes it more enjoyable. So work with your puppy at heel and you will have a dog that is going to listen so much better. Once you get to the point where the dog is healing like a champ, we can transition to a flat buckle collar or a regular collar and just make sure that you're giving that positive reinforcement too much in our training. We are all negative. We are zero positive. Try to keep it at 80 to 90% positive, 10 to 20% negative. So that the dog is looking and going, wow, when I do this, they love what I'm doing. When I do this, they don't love it. Make it easy. Have it be so much over the over the top that you're hitting that willingness to please in the dog. And they just want to do what you're asking. And they don't choose the negative reinforcement. So I hope that helps. Next up, we're going to talk about hunting in the morning or the afternoon or both when you're out waterfall hunting. All that and more coming up after this. Jeff Fuller again from Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. When you look at hunting, you need to have yourself prepared. Our good friends at Mac Outdoors have reloading supplies as well as great clay target machines to get you prepared so you have more success in the field. Don't get that dirty look from your dog. Check out Mac Outdoors. 
Hey, this is Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I want you to know that we buy all of our trucks at Boucher Automotive. We go to Janesville. They've got a great selection, great staff. If you're looking for a new truck or car, check out our friends at Boucher Automotive in Janesville. Welcome back to the show. We're in our hunting tip, and I guess my question to you, and feel free to email me how you guys do it to sportingdogtv at gmail.com. Mornings, afternoons, or both when you're out waterfall hunting. Now, I will tell you that I am a proponent of only hunting in mornings. I will hunt in the afternoons when I have clients or young dogs or both that I want to take out just to show them things when I know there aren't going to be a lot of birds around. But I like to stick with that, uh, stick with mornings only when I'm hunting my favorite areas. And I think a lot of it comes down to what I've learned as I filmed all across North America with a lot of wonderful hunting people. And that is you want to have a time when you're resting a marsh. And again, my areas I like to hunt are water. I'm not huge on field hunting anymore just because of the amount of equipment it takes and the amount of equipment you have to set up. So I pretty much only hunt water marsh type spots. It just seems like there is, in our areas, probably I'd say five times more traffic of birds when you are early as opposed to in the afternoons. So it is Picking that time when I'm hunting in the mornings, my favorite time, and then letting the birds rest in the, in the afternoons. Why do we less, let birds rest? If you push birds and you hunt them morning and night and they're hunted heavily, what will end up happening is the birds will leave. They'll find an area that is not as, uh, there's not as much harassment. When you look in Wisconsin, you'll look and you can tell when birds are pressured. You look out in the middle of a lake and the birds are rafted up sitting out in the middle because they know no one can hunt them out there. You just want to make sure that you are looking at it as you're resting the area for the birds so they stay. So that you can have more days as opposed to pounding all of your hunts into a couple of days. That is what I've learned throughout uh, North America and that's been from hunting from Canada all the way down to uh, Louisiana, the tip, uh, far tip of Louisiana. The primo places that I've been out have always been that way. I did hunt at a few places where they had multiple properties and they would have an afternoon property and a morning property. But again, when they were hunting certain areas, it was either mornings or afternoons. They didn't do both. So I hope that helps you as you plan out your hunts as we get into hunting season. This is the greatest time of the year. Today was a high of about 62 degrees here in Wisconsin. This morning it was sweatshirt weather. I am so excited. I cannot wait. Please share our show. Give me some ideas on stuff you want to hear and keep listening to Sporting Dog Adventures. Get out in the field. Have fun. Thank you so much for listening today and God bless. Sporting Dog Adventures run.